0: and welcome to another episode of citing the tone in our retrospective the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite tv medical drama my name is elizabeth and with me today as always are lauren hello and daniel hey today we'll be discussing oh a sad episode season three episode eight which is titled union station the episode aired on november 21st 1996 lauren what was going on that week 24 years ago
1: well, the Star Trek The Next Generation crew has their second of four red carpet appearances as Star Trek First Contact debuts in Los Angeles. It's Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny's time to shine at the theaters, through, though as Space Jam also debuts and takes number one at the box office. No Diggity by Blackstreet featuring Dr. Dre and Queen Penn is still the number one song, and Daniel turned seven this week! Happy Woo-hoo. birthday, tiny Daniel.
2: Happy birthday to me. Hold me
1: closer, tiny Daniel. Got that. (laughs) (laughs) That was just for Daniel. I'm
2: trying to remember what my birthday would have been that year. I think it probably would have been like either McDonald's or like a skating rink or something. Like that's probably what we did for my birthday that year. But
0: also Space Jam, best sports movie or best sports movie, best
1: movie,
0: best movie. (laughs) Wow, that's a bold claim coming from someone who watches Lord of the Rings every day. It's not every
1: day. It's like once every three months. Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) Uh, So for this week's episode, what else is on? Uh, Starting with 8 p.m. on NBC, we've got Friends with The One with the Football. If you can't tell, it is Thanksgiving week uh, this week. So uh, lots of Thanksgiving episodes abound here. Uh, So The One with the Football with Friends at 8 o'clock. At 8.30, you have The Single Guy with their episode titled Davy Jones. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld has The Abstinence. And at 9.30, Suddenly Susan has Cold Turkey. We have thirty-seven point zero million viewers tuning in for the tuning in for this week's episode, down from our thirty-seven point four, I think, from last week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Tom Moore. It's his uh, second of two episodes that he would do. So this is his last episode as director. Uh, he previously did earlier this season. Let the games begin. And this week's episode is written by Carol Flint. This is her seventh of 16 episodes over the course of the series. Uh, Ones from this season we've talked about are uh, basically is uh, the last call from the Clooney episode from a few months ago. And we get our previously on ER this week done by uh, our very own George Clooney, and this is a just kind of a technical note slash something to keep an eye on. It didn't really fit anywhere else in the notes, so I figured I'd burn it off here. I was reading that basically at this point, Clooney has started production on Batman and Robin, and oh he is currently putting in three days a week on that and four days a week on ER. So George is a tired boy right now, so that's something to keep an eye out for over the next few episodes. If we see uh, Clooney looking particularly haggard, this would be why.
1: I feel like our movie commentaries are eventually just going to devolve into George Clooney movie, movie commentaries. Because with <laughs> this one, I was like, "Oh God, can we do Batman and Robin for for movie commentary?" That's, that's on the list.
2: Yeah, oh, I yeah. figured that. One, I figured that one was a given at some point, just because it's so imminently roastable. But I mean, even he, even Clooney, has apologized for it a few times. So.
1: I mean, it's
0: the bat nipples. How can you not apologize for that?
1: <laughs> it's my childhood. I still enjoy it. but
0: I still want a Batman credit card. Never leave the Batcave without it.
1: Batman aspersions aside, <laughs> for the episode, we go in and Chuni is working with Doug on the Community Outreach Health Clinic. So the health mobile is still strong. We thought it was only in one episode, I think, and here it is again. Um, there's lots of moms and babies. And the Health, as we noted, the Health Winnebago returns, but no Gus. Charlie, Kristen Dunst, comes back with a child that she is babysitting to get him some immunizations and an exam. She, of course, lies and says she's his mom. Then she's like, no, okay, I'm babysitting, but his mom asked me to bring him in, and Doug's like, all right, sign here, Mrs. Lopez. And then Charlie gives him the name of the shelter that the child and the mom are staying at. So hmm, this can only end well, and Chuny sees the whole thing. And he's just like, this ain't great. And he goes, well, yeah. do you want the kid to get seen?
0: Uh, and then we go into our first uh, trauma for the episode. That's Mr. Reynolds. And we have the audio for you because it's it's Carter and Susan's last scene together. Oh, Well, that's, not for the rest of the series, but
3: yeah. BP's 200 over 140. Aww. Try to relax, Mr. Reynolds, okay? Ultrasound mm-hmm. sound's ready. All right, take a look. Tell me what you see. You want me to get him started on beta blockers? Ah, you read my mind. Esmolol, five grams and 500 mil. Yeah. And four of morphine. It's a triple A. I'd say about four centimeters. Dr. Lewis, great. I was afraid I was gonna miss you. Come on till two. You know, it's not gonna be the same around here without you. I'll oh, stop it. It's hard enough. Okay, Dr. Doyle, give Dr. Carter the bullet. 72-year-old male, history of hypertension and hypercholesterolemia,
1: one previous MI. Pain began in left lower quadrant a week ago. The ultrasound shows an abdominal aneurysm four centimeters.
3: Yeah, we'll take him off your hands for you. Ah, not so fast, Dr. Carter. Check his femoral pulses. The uh, ultrasound indicates surgery. What do you think, Dr. Doyle? I agree with Carter. There's a chance of rupture. 10%. How are his femoral pulses? Two plus bilaterally. So he has good blood flow to his lower extremities. But the ultrasound indicates a risk. Shows I- no leakage. Let's get a CT to confirm it. So, you want to manage it medically? Yes, I'd like to try. The machines can give us test results, but they like to keep us around here for diagnostic judgment. You see, this is her last shift. Maybe our last patient together. Uh-huh. Mm. She's just trying to bust me. Someone has told you surgeons back. Arr, page me if you need me. Okay, let's get him to CT. Guess I got a lot to learn. Yeah, it takes practice. Don't be afraid to step
1: up. You should have seen me my first year. Don't believe her. She was always this good. I'm going to say this again. I ship Carter and Susan so hard.
0: Yep. And my girl Susan just riding high on those last day vibes. Yep. No, she is untouchable. And she was always that good. Carol's right.
1: No. If we, if She was we, not that confident, but she yeah, was, was that like, good. Yeah, she was always that competent, but not confident. Yeah.
2: <laughs> good. Yeah. Good distinction.
1: Yep. Um, but then we have Mark is walking through Susan's empty-ish apartment full of some packing boxes and her stuff, and he meets the landlady, says he's interested in taking over the lease. And they do a really quick, like, short interview, like, Do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you party? No livings You're like you're a landlady's dream. And I just wanna note, that place seems huge for a one bedroom in Chicago based off what they they have said in like season one that the doctors were making. Like, am I right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I don't know. I I guess rents have gotten out of control in the last several decades but like i think it would probably be it's law lo- it's lofts right yeah, like lofts yeah. can be open floor plan like that i don't know and and i will say i did read uh that not only is the like as we'll see later in the episode the address of where susan lives and later mark lives is a real place but that the interior, this set was based, like, it wasn't filmed inside of the building, but it was based off an interior that they, like, took from in the building. Oh. So, in theory, this could have existed. Like, I'm sure there's probably little minor differences here and there, but it was at least based on something real.
1: Yep. And I also want to note, what landlady supervises a move for tenants while they're at work? Because, like, she spots the movers as they come in, and she's like, take the boxes, not the luggage. Yeah. Who does that? (laughs)
2: A landlady that I wouldn't be moving out from if, <laughs> right. if that was the case.
0: <clears throat> um, then we're in with some bangs for the episode. We still haven't heard any twinkles yet this week. There were this season. I'm um,
2: yeah. trying to remember. I don't think so.
0: Okay. So we're still, and we're 8-0 with the bangs this season. Um, Then we go over to Carrie and Mark. They're talking about some scheduling issues uh, because Susan's leaving. She's kind of leaving a gap in the rotations, which you think you assume that they've had at least a couple weeks of heads up for this. So you think that they would by now they would have some of this stuff hammered out, but I guess not. So I don't know. That seems like that seems uncharacteristically poor management from Carrie. Um yeah. But Mark's been complaining about some muscle spasms in his neck and lack of sleep and Carrie's just so upset that they're losing Susan, which whoever thought that we'd see <laughs> Carrie being upset that they're losing Susan.
1: For real.
2: Yeah, I'm here for that. I mean, yeah, I am too. I guess it's it's just kind of like we. And again, there's always stuff that is unseen to us that could factor in, but it doesn't seem like that's kind of like an earned character development thing for that relationship for the two of them. Like, I don't know that we've seen on screen any evidence that Carrie has come around on Susan, but. In any event, uh, we go from there to our next patient trauma coming in, a 35-year-old roller hockey coach being brought in with a suspected dislocated hip. And as he's being brought in, we see Weaver telling Mark to go home if he's not feeling well, but he's like, no, I'm fine. I'll stick it out. We go we follow along with Mark there as he meets up with Susan and confirms that he is taking over the lease on her apartment because that set is too good to waste and we do not want to <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to let that go to waste. I'm sure a lot of money went into that.
1: That is my dream apartment.
2: I love that's one of my favorite little wrinkles of Susan leaving is that they just give her apartment to Mark because that that set was so clearly like very expensive and they did not want to waste it. So
1: I mean, that does happen in Chicago. We inherited a great apartment from one of our friends out in the suburbs because he had an excellent location, and we got the scoop on it before it got posted for listing. So,
2: See? so, uh, but so they, they're just chatting about that and kind of making small talk about how she can look forward to those Arizona winters. They, he asks her to help him give a demonstration of a hip relocation. So he comes in, he stands up on the gurney while she gives counter traction, and then he pulls as the hip slides back into place he's like thanks susan she's sure sure anytime well anytime in the next four hours and we have some good news well i'll say with some with the sad news of susan leaving we have some
0: good news though the Hurleyhees are going home today you know with everyone alive
1: yay
0: uh taking lots of photos with dr keaton and and one salt and one grumpy one with benton <laughs> And they're all saying, "Say discharge." <laughs> and Benton's getting all up on himself, doing 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 the Lizzie special of beating yourself up, uh, beating yourself up over a good thing. And Dr. Keaton just gently reassures him: "Never begrudge a good outcome. You learn from your mistakes, but and shit happens. But never begrudge a good outcome."
1: Hello, I just I almost killed their baby. I don't deserve to be in that picture. <laughs> um, they don't know that. Shut up. Then we go over Cartier, Car, Cartier, <laughs> fuck today. Um, Carter is hanging out up by Dr. Keaton's office waiting for her and all of a sudden she and Benton walk up and you can tell he was not expecting this cause he quickly is like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm here for the literature review. Yeah. Cause he actually is doing a literature review with Dr. Keaton, but he was definitely up there for smoochies at that point cause they didn't have an appointment until 3 PM. So like, yeah, literature review. She's like, yep. That's what he's here for. And <laughs> Benton's like, well, as long as it doesn't take away from your normal work. And walks off still sulking. Eight. They're both really bad liars.
0: As we find out in two instances, even surgeons get thirsty nowadays.
1: That's for damn <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> uh, and then we have our next audio for you. Susan's continuing the farewell tour. She's cleaning out her locker. Oh.
3: Hey, cleaning out your locker? Oh, this is too weird. What time's your train... 420. I have to go by my house and pick up my stuff. I'm not kidding it too close, am I? You're on until 2? <laughs> There's not any sort of farewell thing going on. Inside. No, no, not that I've heard of. Okay, good. Mark is acting so odd. Well, he's gonna miss you. He's the one who thinks I should go if I have to hear how great Phoenix is one more time. <laughs> I think he's just trying to be a good sport, you know, judging from how miserable he looks. You having second thoughts? I never made a decision that seems so right. You know, once I made it, I just felt great. <sighs> of course I'm having second thoughts. Well, I wish you weren't going. But you do look happy. Do I? Hmm. I'm just afraid that I'm not really happy at all. I'm just barging in on Chloe and Joe's happiness. Yeah, well, she owes you a couple of bargains. Susan, there you are. What's wrong? Uh, I need a second opinion. Sure. Yeah. See? Odd. I want to get your opinion on the patient. Are you coming down to something? Oh, I hope not. Exam room one, 28-year-old smoker on the pill, complains of shortness
2: of breath. Diffuse low voltage on her EKG. I'm thinking pericarditis, get an echo.
3: Yeah, that's what I'd do. You don't think it'd be uh, pulmonary embolism? I mean, she's at risk. Abnormal EKG, yeah, it could be lead placement. No, I'd go with the echo. You sure? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. You can always get a VQ scan if the echo's negative. Hey, you know, that's what I was thinking. So. Uh, or oh, an echo. Oh god, that's painful.
2: I know.
0: <laughs> Just Mark, have some fucking chill, dude. Uh,
1: I miss season 1. Uh, As I've mentioned, I kind of hate what they do to their friendship in light of this um romance subplot.
2: Yeah, I hadn't really like appreciated that fully until you pointed it out. Like the dynamic of their relationship changes dramatically if you take season 1 to season 3 and yeah it's uh it it, again reaffirms my position that i'm just it's better that they didn't
1: yeah like it i think part of it is justified because of you know little baby Susie and um his whole divorce situation happening like it makes sense that they grow apart for a little bit and the um attending job but at the same time it's just it's so it's leaps and bounds from where they started as far as communication skills yeah but also, that patient's going to come into play later. So everybody, keep your ears open for us discussing that a little bit later in the episode. And then Doug comes back from the health mobile work, and he refers to Susan and Mark as the Mutt and Jeff of emergency medicine. I take that means that they're just good teammates? Anybody know that reference?
2: I was really hoping well, somebody else did, because I, nope. I feel like it has to be a very old reference, even for 1996.
1: But yeah, so he does that, and then we find out Mark goes, "Oh God, you were on the health mobile again so soon! Like, dang, what'd you do wrong?" And it turns out that the immunization program on the health mobile earlier in this episode was actually Doug's idea, not Spa forcing him on duty. So the beginnings of the clinic.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: I wonder. Yeah, that probably is how this morphs into that. Um, so we go from there. We, we, they're bringing in a bunch of stuff for Susan's goodbye party, her surprise goodbye party. Like they're the cactus cake and whatnot, and as they're passing by the desk, Carol kind of, I mean, I get where Carol's coming from, but it also comes off kind of rude, as she says, she tells everyone that Susan's going to hate the goodbye party stuff that that they have brought for her. So, I mean, like, I get where she's coming from, like, she's talked to Susan, and Susan has said she doesn't want anything, but at the same time, it's just kind of rude. They've clearly already gone through the effort, but... In any event, we then see Mark telling Doug that he doesn't see a point in telling Susan how he feels because she's leaving. Which, I, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious about uh, you all's opinion on this. Like, are we team Mark here or team Doug?
0: Team Doug.
1: I say team Mark because he already told him, or he already told her, kind of, and she's leaving, so nothing can happen. <sighs> Yeah. Like, yes, I'm, I trust me, I am all about admitting feelings to people. That was my entire high school career, and I'm best friends with all of them. But at the same time, like, it's sweet in a romantic sense, and I get that Doug is a man of action. But at the same time, look at it from Susan's point of view. Your best friend has already asked you on a date. You say you can't because you're moving. And then he goes on to tell you he loves you.
2: Yeah, it seems like it it seems like it. Right, it's pushy, and it it puts an unfair amount of emotional baggage in her lap. Like, as she's already dealing with something very emotional, like leaving her residency and moving to a new place and, like, uprooting her whole life. Like, she's got a lot of shit going on that doesn't involve him. So I feel like him dumping that in her lap at, like, two hours before she gets on a train is pretty Oh, I got
1: thoughts. I got (laughs) thoughts, Daniel.
2: Well, When we get to the end of the episode.
1: Yep. Okay. Yep. Also, I want to point out Mutton Jeff was apparently a comic that ran from 1907 to 1983. <laughs> it was a comic strip. I helped. That,
2: that, that okay. seems perfectly on brand for Doug Ross to yep. pull from.
0: Then, after that, we go back up to the operating floor. Uh, actually, one of the, one of my favorite scenes in the episode actually mm-hmm. is Benton and Dr. Keaton reviewing anatomy for their upcoming surgery, and she has him uh, Benton walk through like a visualization exercise of the surgery and what what a healthy infant's gut would look like and this is very clearly not in benton's wheelhouse because he's very clearly not an imaginative person (laughs) he just like does the thing it's It's like why imagine things when i can just do the thing yeah and i don't know i just i really like these kinds of exercises like in like in learning, in therapy when I've had to do them, you know, obviously not dealing with babies' guts, but. <laughs> Are you sure? But, but different, but different like visualizations of like what normal looks like.
1: Because can I tell you something? I am so bent in this. Like, I think it's a great exercise. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Oh, the, I am too. But, but the I'm, way my brain works, I would be so uncomfortable yeah, doing this. I'm
0: terrible at them, but, but I think they're,
2: but I think they're cool in concept.
0: I
1: just think they're neat. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I and I always I always think it's cool to see, particularly Benton, uh, get pulled out of his comfort zone. Like mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like we get some of the best work out of Eric Lasalle when Benton is placed in situations where he is out of his element. So that's a per- this is a perfect example of this. And yeah, you're right. It's one of the better scenes in the whole episode.
1: It's very cute. It would have almost made good audio, but it was just a little too. A too visual. it' really
0: it's really compl- it's really complemented by the visual of him like actually closing his eyes and watching his sort of his sort of relaxed state versus Dr. Keaton's
1: and I also enjoy you know when teachers take a different method to ensure that there's a well-rounded thought process behind something it's
0: almost like there's multiple ways to learn whoa
1: <laughs> I miss tutoring and then we get Carrie pulls Susan aside And she says, I know we got off to a rocky start, but I really thought we'd built a professional relationship and dialogue. And it turns out that the feedback that Susan gave Mark for his pulmonary embolism patient was really Carrie's patient. And Susan tells Carrie, like, oh, Mark told me it was his patient and asked my opinion. And she's like, oh, okay, my beef's with him then. Bye. Like, I'll go yell at him. And I love it.
0: She was so geared up for one last fight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One last hurrah with Susan. I was like, oh, okay." My bad. But she immediately turns it off and is like, all right, I'll go deal with him. So it's like, yeah, Carrie's grown and I really appreciate it. And then we have Carol is talking to Halle because we find out Halei got called up to neuro as a float nurse. But yeah, so Carol then calls the nurse administrator to put her foot down. So yeah, she calls and she's like, my nurses can't be doing this. And instead she gets a meeting. So we'll see how that goes with administration.
0: And still at the desk, Lydia is returning her wedding dress because Al, Al was dragging his feet on getting married.
1: Aww.
0: So it's a very pretty dress. And apparently Lydia is just a clumsy person now.
1: <laughs> Which I like. <laughs> I enjoy it.
2: Yeah. She drops it like two or three times while she's standing
0: there I at think, the desk.
1: I think twice she trips over it.
2: Yeah. Which
0: is it's, a very pretty dress.
1: It's a very poofy dress. So yeah. no wonder she's tripping over it, trying to put it back in the box.
2: So we go from there to Susan and Mark talking again, and uh, Susan is under the impression that Mark is bummed about her leaving because of their good working relationship, and that he uh, needs to trust the other doctors that they work with, and... You know, it's it's more of a professional sort of gripe that he has rather than a personal one. And of course, Mark doesn't really tell her what is really going on in his head. And I don't know, like I felt like you all can tell me what you felt about this scene, because I sort of felt like this was a little bit tough for me to suspend my disbelief on where it was like. It, this this scene requires you to think that Susan is a lot dumber than she is. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, no. Like
2: because she goes into it with the utmost sincerity that this is really what's bothering him, and it's like she's smarter than that. She clearly knows that he's got he's all up in his feelings, and you know whatever.
1: I th- why I can't we address the, that? I think the intention is that they want you to think Susan's totally oblivious, but the other way you could read it is that she knows. And she is trying to redirect it and give him an out. That okay, isn't, that, that isn't
2: now that, big. that I will buy that if she's if she is really the that's smartest, f- she's playing four D chess. She's the smartest yeah. one yeah. in the room.
0: That's the yeah. That's that's kind of how I saw it. Was like she's like trying to like be like, oh yeah, of course because we we work together well like it's it's less it's not like trying not to insult Mark by saying no I don't love you go away from me you
1: like she's trying to build that boundary but still share that you know she'll miss him so I definitely think that it was written potentially to intend that she's oblivious but I don't don't think there's any way she could be after he asked her out the last episode and was like are you and Morgan Stern dating no woman is that dense Exactly. Yeah. Except for me, I never know when anybody's interested, but that's okay.
0: Hey, Lauren. Uh, I'm interested. I'm
1: shocked. Uh,
0: and sure. then, as if you needed more examples of how fucked up the American healthcare system is, we have we present to you the following conversation between Al and Jeannie.
3: Jeannie. Genie. Genie. Glad I caught you. Did you get the mortgage papers back? No, actually, that's what I wanted to tell you. Al, you promised. I I talked to this lawyer we were doing a remodel for. He gave me some advice. And here, you were right. Everything you said about a marriage, about how you carried all the weight, well, that's going to stop. What is this? Divorce papers. I'm giving you the house, the car, everything. And don't say no. It's not just because you deserve them You see, This guy helped me figure out That if I get my assets down And show that my job doesn't have insurance Then I'll be able to, to get this state program For the working poor They offer the drugs I need It's a good deal But your income has to be less than $15,000 a year You don't have to worry about me anymore Okay you Just take care of yourself I gotta go
0: Oh look It's the exact reason Lauren and I aren't married yet Hmm is because my healthcare cost would be too high if we were still married.
2: Or if we were married.
1: I was like, still married? When did yeah. that happen? Mm-hmm. Oh in shit, spirit. you are interested.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just remember it's it's a feature, not a bug.
0: Yeah, I hate this uh I fucking hate this country and I hate the healthcare system in this country and Jesus Christ. It will happen eventually. I know. It's it's I'm just mad at the world. What happens next, Lawrence? So
1: a woman is being brought in by our lovely friend of the show, Lynn, and she was found passed out at Cubby's Bar, and she looks to be full term in her pregnancy, and she's screaming about how she needs a drink and needs out of the hospital, and how this baby has ruined her life, and she's screaming, I'll kill myself and take it with me. Um, and then, unfortunately, as she busts out of her restraints and falls to the floor, her water has broken, and they have to take her up to Peds. And this whole time, Doyle has been in the room watching Horrified, and she initially goes and sees the chaplain and says, hey, there's a woman that might need your help. He's like, oh, does she want a prayer? And Doyle goes, no, but I think the baby might. So Doyle's got an interesting through line with this a little bit later. Yeah. But that was a very grim, just quick two-minute scene. Like, that woman played it to the rafters. A little bit.
0: And after that, Mark takes a patient that is insisting on seeing Susan only because he always sees her when he comes to the ER. And he's very agitated that he can't gossip with her and just basically gives Mark all sorts of shit for not being able to to see to see Susan. That sounds so weird for some reason. To see Susan? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Or you have one of those things where you've said something enough times that doesn't seem real now. Yeah, exactly. You're good. It is a real... I didn't fuck up that part of the notes. It's good.
0: Okay. But uh, Mark tells Malik to get psyched for the guy, which I think seems really overblown.
1: I I think he might just be a lonely guy with a chronic condition and he prefers seeing Susan.
2: Yeah. And, and Malik also seems to feel like that seems to be a bit, yeah. bit much because even Malik is like, I can just go find her. It's not that big a deal. Like, and he's right. like, no, get psych. Like he's yeah, like, she,
0: he, he can just go get her and, and have her explain like, oh, I'm not, I'm leaving the hospital. I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, you don't have to call a psychiatrist and potentially risk the guy getting committed against his will.
2: Nothing, nothing more dangerous than a white guy with a case of the feels. Let me tell you, like they they will fuck up everyone in their radius. Just <laughs>
1: Jesus, Daniel. <laughs>
2: I'm just saying, He's not wrong. I'm just saying, like <laughs> they will. There's no length that they will not go to to ruin everyone else's day just because they're having a bad one.
1: Like that dude that's that's been playing the piano in the park trying to get his yes, ex back or whatever. That's exactly
2: what I'm talking about. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Wait, what? You haven't heard about this? no recently there's been there's been a rise um i've heard about this from like three different places on the internet so it must be true um there was a there's like a 34 year old guy who lost the love of his life and he's been like sitting in some park i think on a college campus or something playing like a grand piano full like tuxedo every day trying to win her back just out of a statement of his love
2: the fucking entitlement on that dude holy shit Uh uh-huh Sounds like the most pretentious asshole.
1: You know what? This is what happens when people watch too many 80s and 90s rom-coms with just those grandiose gestures. Like, once is fine. Try it for a day. And if it doesn't work, leave her the fuck alone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. John Cusack is not meant to be a role model for healthy (laughs) relationships.
1: Nope.
2: So then we go from there, uh, find out that the labs have come back from the health mobile. And the results on the baby that Charlie brought in earlier uh, are not that it's, it's unclear exactly what the issue is here. Um, but just that the baby is having some, quote, issues with his blood work, possibly anemia. We're not 100 percent sure. So this sets Doug off on his path to uh, try to find this uh, baby and by extension, the mother. Uh, so we'll check back in on with that a little bit later from there we cut back in uh where cop friend al uh has brought in a guy who is coughing his head off which in 2020 was just all sorts of upsetting uh like set off my covid buzzers immediately like i was like nope nope put a mask on him get away from him why are you Mm -mm." as he brings him in uh lydia swoops in takes the patient away and cold shoulders al so she's still none too happy Al goes from there to uh, the desk talking to Carol and Mark about all the stuff that he has tried to do to get them married today uh, because he's decided that today of all days is the day they need to get married. Uh, I guess probably because she gave him an ultimatum. And then I think it's Carol who says, well, mm-hmm. you, you know, we do have a chaplain in the hotel if you're serious and he's already down here. Like he's working with uh, giving last rites to a patient right now, which uh, this revelation seems to appeal to Al as he kind of... Eyes light up and he runs off to uh, go get the chaplain. So we will check back in with Alan Lydia a little bit later.
1: Yeah, I think Lydia had like broken up with him the night before and was like, if you're not going to get married, this is done. Take my dress. I'm out. Yeah. And so he woke up and he's like, I'm an idiot. I'm a sweet white schmuck. Oh, yeah yeah, gonna- yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Because he said he mentioned this whole thing of like I, I woke up and I couldn't breathe and I couldn't do- and, and they keep flashing back to mark who's like mm-hmm. doing the like white guy uh like vietnam flashback thing where he's like uh-huh uh-huh like kid
1: like knows. oh is that what emotions are is this what i'm feeling <sighs> like
2: uh, like i also that's another problem i have with this whole uh thing is that they escalate it so incredibly quickly mm-hmm. from like he's got a thing for her because he's had a crush on her pretty much the whole series like yeah. in in one form or another which that's fine but then that's escalated to like you know full blown feelings and like I'm I'm feeling something to now th- just in this episode
1: he's got it, a health condition
2: well in th- well in this episode it's like every interaction that they have once the like we start heading towards the end of the episode it goes from just like I would like to date you To, we need to spend the rest of our lives together, and I love you, and we should get married. Like, even though he doesn't necessarily come right out and say that, all of the, like, set dressing around it is, like, the narrative has shifted from, like, these two people clearly have chemistry and maybe should hang out more often outside of work to they are soulmates and they should live together forever and make babies.
1: So let's make it more tragic that she's leaving. Yeah,
2: I just don't get the escalation out of, like, nowhere. I just, it's it's so weird to me. And again, it plays into that whole, like obsessed guy thing of like you know you can't ever just like a person you have to either like be 100 percent soulmates and like live together forever or nothing it's just so weird i don't know
0: lauren has given me the creepiest look ever right now can i help you
1: hi i'm a white man interested in you return my feelings or there will be consequences <laughs> <laughs>
2: ah! there's a oof, clip that out there's a drop right there I'm a white man <laughs> interested <laughs> Return my feelings or there will be consequences.
1: Uh, <sighs> handle your rejection with grace, people. It's not that fucking hard. I did it plenty. Same. And I like to think it earned me you. Did
0: what I mention we're hella gay on this show?
1: Hella gay.
2: What happens next, Lizzie?
0: Uh, what happens next is that we go up back up to the OR. Uh, Doctors Benton and Keaton are doing their surgery and- so, okay, so this kid's anatomy <laughs> is really weird. What?
1: Just, just, I, the, I just remember the line.
2: Yeah, the description that Carter gives here is just...
0: Mm. Yeah. So this kid's anatomy is all out of sorts. And Carter likens it to a drawer full of socks.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they're in the guts.
2: Yeah. Just by definition, if, uh, you know, public service announcement, don't refer to any part of my anatomy as a drawer of socks. Because... No matter what it is you're referring to, it's not flattering. Like, it's just not. A drawer full of socks has never been flattering to anyone.
1: I don't think you need your gut to be flattering, though.
2: You don't know how deep this insecurity goes.
1: Okay, fair. (laughs) It's
0: all that rejection as a white man he's taken. See? It all
2: comes full circle.
0: Uh, (sighs) but But anyway, this kid's anatomy is, like, all, like, shifted all around. Everything's out of place. That's why they were doing the visualization of exercises of what a healthy gut should look like in a child earlier uh, but hey there's no there's no dead bowel so that's something to celebrate and uh, Dr. Keaton is just letting Benton do his thing and trying to run run the procedure as best he can obviously she's watching closely but and she's like tell me if you need me she said I'm right here I can help you out if you need and uh, Benton eventually sort of gets nervous gets more nervous and re- passes the reins back to Dr. Keaton So, good for him for actually, like, asking for help. Character growth!
1: Hey! Or, the other way I looked at it is that instead of character growth, it's kind of that terror of, oh god, I did this one thing so badly, I'm so afraid to be in a baby's intestines.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they did sort of (laughs) toe that line between, like, gun-shy, like, Mm -hmm. but I think, like, you can do both, I think. You can show that he's affected by what happened before and also show that he's learned from it.
1: Definitely. But yeah, so I was glad he asked instead of trying to just power through it like a strong boy. <sighs> and then we have Al is sweetly trying to talk Lydia into getting married today, and um, we d- we don't hear it; we just see it through the windows uh, while Car- Carl, Carol, and Mark are gossiping about it. So we'll see, hmm, if it works. And then we have Doctor Keaton and Benton talking after the surgery and Keaton and oh my god I can't fucking talk and Abby says sometimes you just have to let the confused anatomy start to make its own sense so like in a newborn stuff's kind of still shifting around and finding its right place and like it's not gonna quite be where you expect it to be it's okay work with it
2: and he doesn't get time to really process that as he gets interrupted by Carter, who tells him that they're being called down to the ER for a wedding. So I guess Lydia said yes, because we then cut straight from there to Lydia and all of the nurses uh, getting ready in the lounge. Which good thing she had that dress with her, like yep. worked out perfectly.
1: I love the line where I think it's I think it's Halle is like I got I'm only down here for 20 minutes for my break because she's up she's working up in neuro so.
0: Yeah, but the holy hour ER is quick pulling together for the ceremony. Mark is standing on Al's side. Susan is standing on Lydia's. And hmm? Hmm? could you get this episode kind of tends to beat you over the head with the subtlety of the situation. <laughs> A little
1: heavy handed with the symbolism.
0: Yeah. Symbolism. Thank you. I couldn't, that's the better word for it. <laughs> I got you. But yeah, like we mentioned before, but actually seeing the dress on Lydia, it's very old school, but very yeah. pretty.
1: I like the like Victorian neck. Like how it buttons all the way up. Yes. It's very pretty.
0: Very classy. Yes. Very Lydia. Very classy for our thirst trap on our wedding day. I was about to say,
1: for our number one thirst trap. (laughs)
0: Uh, But Chuni runs by screaming for a stool sample, (laughs) like you do, you know, on a normal day. But uh, she gets all embarrassed, rightfully so. And Carol, Doug, and Connie are all uh, smacking each other with paper flowers, and they're all starting to get pulled away from, for different issues, because, you know, it's a working hospital. And Susan and Mark make make Ugh. the gayest gooey eyes at each other during the whole time of the while they're saying the vows.
1: Now, I'm going to ask, are we are are we as a people, as a queer people, taking back that's so gay? Because we've just been calling stuff gay <laughs> left and right this whole fucking episode. Yeah. I'm like, is that just... Are we taking it back?
0: I mean, yeah. <gasps> that's the whole... I would say that's kind of the whole... You can cut lot, that, by a, the way. Nobody... A lot of people... Uh, a lot of people in the, que- in the queer community actually taking back taking the, the word calling it the queer community yeah, is taking that. back I know
1: that's taking it back for sure but yeah like I, I identify
0: was, as queer when it was used against me in a negative connotation so many times growing up and it feels so damn good
1: I was being more funny about ah. the fact that we call shit gay all the time but we can cut that whole thing out anyway I'm glad to hear you identify as queer comfortably I do too what goes on next it's me but the, um.
2: before before, I, before we go too far <laughs> uh, the, but the the last bit there with Susan and Mark making eyes at each other that's kind of the what i was talking about earlier where like it's fine to underscore the fact that they're leave- like that she's leaving and that they're leaving something kind of unresolved but like to then add this extra layer of symbolism on top of it where it's like maybe let them have dinner first you know like maybe like maybe we let them like go on a date before we marry him off that's that's basically where I, what i'm getting at here and also too i do feel like we should point out that Alan and Lydia married for real Uh, Not here, though, despite uh, some urban legend to the (laughs) to the contrary. Not actually married on the show for real, but did get married in real life many years before this.
0: Because they're still boomers.
2: Yes, and still married to this day. Saw them on a podcast like a month ago. It was delightful.
1: Fucking goals.
0: Why wasn't it our podcast?
1: I know. Both I tried. It was a it
2: was an Instagram Live thing, and I definitely whored us out in the comments, but I got no response. So
1: damn. I know, like not only to be married that long but also to have the two of them on our show would be amazing. Like, can you imagine having both of them on as guests together? Oh god.
2: I mean, they it was them, it was the two of them and their dog. It was Yes. Hysterical. I wanna interview a dog. Al is under the impression though that this was his last episode because that's what he said in the interview. Was that we got married and then they never ca- they never called me back. Like I never got to work again after this. And I I, li- I went and looked and that's not true. He's back several more times. But in his you know boomer brain, he this is his last episode.
1: It's probably because it was the last like big one. Probably that he yeah. Was on. This is
2: probably the last like significant thing he got to do on the show. But
1: so it probably just kind of bled together a little bit. Sure. But still goals. From there, we have Carrie and Jeannie talking about Al serving the divorce papers. Jeannie's just like, it's the most selfless thing he's ever done. I don't know what to make of it. It's so weird. And um, Carrie is rounding everyone up because they're going to throw the bouquet. And while that's going on, Doug and Carol are gossiping about Mark and Susan. And Susan catches the bouquet. Oh, my gosh. Let's just keep piling it on, gang. The icing is getting real thick over here. (laughs) And Susan pulls Mark aside and talking about leaving and just says, I just don't want to go unless I know we'll always be friends. Uh. uh. It's just, it's too much. It is. It's a little schmaltzy. Like, late season two, the two of them was a perfect level. What they've tried to do with this, it's just, and listeners, please feel free to chime in. And tell me that I'm wrong, but I think this is too much. No, they're
2: doing I, they're they're doing our work for us. They're showing us yeah. why this doesn't work, like because yeah, they're I would, they can't, they can't do it organically, so they're forcing it.
1: Yeah, I would love to be told I'm wrong by our listeners. Please comment on Facebook and let me know how wrong I am. But then we have Carter and Abby for their three o'clock meeting for their literature review, and the whole time she is giving him feedback about the actual paper that he's helped her with. She is so thirsty for him. <laughs> And as she's giving him feedback, he just slowly makes his way around the desk to start smooching and seducing her. And she is here for it. Everybody in this room is consenting and happy adults right now. And she she's like, Well, you're not my boss. And no no. She goes, Well, it's not like I'm your boss. And he's like, No, I'm uh you're my boss's boss. <laughs> Yikes. But just this is this is per this is professional, not personal. Okay, this is personal, not professional, like yeah, I'm, I'm here for it.
0: Uh, and then after that, uh, Randy is setting up the goodbye party in the lounge. We'll see if that actually ends up happening. But uh, then Carrie lets Mark know that the DA is pressing charges about the potentially murderous drunk mom. Uh, Doyle called someone at the 32nd Precinct to report the intent. And side note, I actually looked it up just because I'm, I have this kind of time. The Chicago Police Department 32nd Precinct covers about half of the downtown loop area and some of the south loop. It runs from Madison to the north to Roosevelt on the south and the Kennedy slash Dan Ryan Expressway to the west and then the lakefront to the east.
1: I like that I can picture that exact grid in my head. I feel like a true Chicagoan now.
0: Well it's because you lived down there for so long. Just
1: saying I'm proud after 10 years I finally got it.
0: (laughs) Woo! Welcome to Chicago.
1: Thanks took me long enough.
0: So, it's within the realm of possibility geographically of where they approximately have their hospital.
1: Theoretically. Let's seems just keep little, adding modifiers into yeah, that.
0: Seems a, seems a little further north than they've indicated, but...
1: Well, no, because they have the L-Tracks right outside of the thing, and they always show the Chicago stop. That's true. So... Still not where it should be, but... Anyway,
0: we're,
2: there's getting, some, we're getting There's some down. real fuzzy Chicago geography coming up towards the end of the episode, so... Oh, <laughs> yeah. You can have plenty of fun digging into that. So, for now, we go from there to Carol's meeting with the nurse admin, and uh, she's, you know, negotiating, trying to get the nurses to stop being floated to f- departments they're not familiar with. And as a bargain, she agrees to sit on a committee once a month if they will only float ER nurses to the ICU. So, you know, good quick little scene here where we just get to see Carol get to see some of the the extended hospital ecosystem outside of the ER and kind of how the sausage gets made in all the other departments. And then we also get from my for my money anyway, one of the best like close up views of just how terrible and awful Carol's haircut is. Like if you've ever like looked at the title card thing that shows up if you're watching on hulu carol's hair is far and away the worst in that whole lineup i mean anthony edwards doesn't have any hair so it's you know out of the other five uh carol is far and away the worst but it doesn't really show up in the show that often so, like, I've always, like, given her a pass on it, but then in this scene, there's, like, a perfect, like... It's almost like when you get to see The Simpsons from head-on. Like, it looks different, and it looks weird.
1: Are you talking about the indent?
2: Yeah, it's, like, a weird little indent thing, and then it fans out to the sides, and then it's, like... Of course, it's all very curly and everything, which, I mean, I have curly hair, too. I get it. But, like, hers is, like, crimped and permed out.
1: It's... It's it's 90s huge.
2: Yeah, but, like, a very specific, like period of the 90s like it's not all the 90s like the 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 jennifer aniston haircut hasn't taken over just yet like this is the like holdover from the 80s i feel like it's the one and only time that i've ever felt like it was worth mentioning because it's the only time we ever really see it perfectly framed but
1: yeah there was one angle where i was looking at it and i could just see the little peak yeah it's on just one side it's kind
2: of weird it's just kind of weird but
1: I love the curly hair. I always love um, Carol's hair in general. But yeah, the haircut in this one angle just looks odd.
2: Yeah. And it does change too. Like by the time um, like Clooney leaves and like her hair is significantly different by that point around like season five or six, I'll say like between when Clooney leaves and when she leaves, her hair is significantly different than it is now. But in any event, we go back from there, back down to uh, the party in the lounge where the setup is now is getting interrupted because there is an MVA of kindergarten kids uh, that were hit by some joyriding teens. Everybody's getting pulled off in different directions to work on this. So we will circle back to this in just a moment.
0: Uh, But then we go over to Susan working with just the most swole looking at elderly gentleman. (laughs) Uh, Elderly bodybuilder. Did we ever get his
1: name? I don't the, know, they kind of go through really fast Yeah,
2: the character's name, I never heard them say it But then when I looked up okay. the actor's name on uh, IMDb He's listed with a name, I didn't bother to write it down Because like I said, I'd never even yeah. never heard it
0: Well, while you're thinking about it, who plays him, Daniel?
2: Uh, he's played by a guy named Buck Cartalian or Cartalian. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his last name. Um, seemed like he kind of a fascinating guy. He um, had quite a few appearances in some pretty big movie franchises. Like he was in several of the original Planet of the Apes films, as well mm. as uh, Cool Hand Luke and The Rock. Uh, he was also an actual former professional wrestler and bodybuilder, uh, and he passed away in 2016 at the ripe old age of 93.
0: Not bad. Uh, but in the episode, he's complaining of sciatica, and he's taking B twelve shots, and Susan is just being his, her absolute best with him, and
1: they're very sweet.
0: Yeah, it's the picturesque interaction you would ever want with a with an emergency physician, like just very respectful, very light, very yeah.
1: just. You're looking your best. Go get them, but take it easy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like okay. Here's what here's what you can be doing to take, be taking better care of yourself. You're clearly on the right direction, but
1: yep. just, yeah, just. Yeah. Cute little scene. Yeah. Um, and then after that, so she, she ends the last patient with a high note. And then she is walking through the ER and watching all the patients and procedures. Walks into the lounge, sees for the party set up. Nobody's in there, obviously, because they all got pulled away. And so there's very beautiful sentimental music playing in the background. It's not too heavy-handed. It's just a nice light, just background noise as we do this one shot through the ER. And she takes her locker magnet, hands it to Randy, Uh, We see more gliding one-shot through the ER. She's kind of, it looks, it's kind of implied that she's looking for Mark as she's kind of watching and almost saying goodbye to people as she walks past everyone else. And she finds Mark mid-trauma and she just kind of stands there, doesn't interrupt, doesn't say goodbye, and just leaves. And Mark is crushed that there was no note and she left without saying goodbye. Did I miss anything for that? Nope. Okay. No, it's, that was a beautiful one-shot, though.
2: Yeah. It, it, as much as I was annoyed by uh, all of the, like, schmaltzy shit earlier in the episode, this is very well done. Like, mm-hmm. this hits all of the notes, I think, just about perfectly. Um, like you said, the music, uh, which I will talk more in depth about when we get to the end, but, like, the music strikes just the right chords here, and there's something really realistic and and really just like i don't know i don't know how to describe it but like there's just something really relatable about the idea of leaving a job and it not being it not a big deal yeah it not being a big deal like there's not going to be this procession of people waving as she walks out the door for right. the last time the 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 hospital and the like ecosystem inside of it is going to continue without her and so we'd see her like the you know the name tag down on the desk and everything but like randy doesn't even barely looks up from the phone she's like yeah see you later dr lewis good luck in phoenix like and there's something that i really like about that i like that they don't over uh dramatize an exit like that and don't turn it into an event
1: i think part of it is unlike the mark shit that's been going on all episode this is from susan's perspective and it's not about their romance it's about their friendship and it's about her leaving for a new journey. And we can all relate to that on some level. Like, yeah, we've all had unrequited loves, but like, this feels like it's a much more relatable and genuine experience. Yeah. yeah,
0: No, because now that you mentioned that, yeah, now like I thought about, you know, because I left my my previous job at the end of July and yeah, it was just said goodbye to a few people on yeah. my way out. There was, there was no like no huge, fanfare. yeah, no huge thing.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah that's how it was when i changed jobs last year yeah i said goodbye to the few people that i needed to say goodbye to and then it was just my last day yeah. and i was done life
2: went on
0: weird um uh, then after the, and then after that uh, we have our next audio for you uh, it's benton and carter discussing different things about dr keaton and when uh, a little special someone shows up so if
3: it's, o- if it's okay with you i'd love to get out of here by seven what, are you working on that literature review for Keaton? No, actually, I got a date. Yeah? Well, just don't procrastinate. You keep Keaton waiting. Reflects poorly keep on me. You know something? She's a hard one to get, isn't she? How do you figure? Well, obviously, she's a great surgeon, but she's not much of a teacher. You don't think so? Oh, well, come on. All that psycho battle Well, her explanations can be a little bit eccentric. She doesn't say what she wants. Sometimes she does. But uh, then again, you know, I haven't really been working with her the same way that you have. Carter, she's soft. She can be. She doesn't act like a surgeon. Well, you know, it is difficult to learn from somebody who teaches by intuition, which is one of the things I've always appreciated about your teaching. Hey, excuse me, Carter. Carla? There you are. You know I've been sitting in that lot for half an hour. Why? Kingston Mines. Dinner before the early set? That's tomorrow night. No, that is tonight. Anything you need? No, Carter. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Carla, this is Dr. Carter. Carter, this is Carla Reese. Please. Pleased to meet you. Same here. I'm sorry. I'm on I'm until midnight tonight. So, this is where you work until midnight? Yeah, look, um, why don't I walk you out to your car? Oh, you haven't been here before? No, 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 I haven't, knock on wood. We should give you a tour. No, 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 she's got plans. Not anymore, I've been stood up. Well, if charmer one is open, we could start there. Hey, really, just don't show me anything bloody. No, no, no. <laughs> so what do you do, Carla? I have this Caribbean restaurant on Western. No kidding? Mm-hmm. My family used to sail to the islands every spring. Good. Oh, very fancy, Carter, oh.
1: <laughs> oh this is where you work until midnight? Like, the hell.
2: I do really like the first half of that, though. Carter yeah. and Benton, like, bouncing. Like, that was almost like a comedy routine where they're yeah. they're talking about the same thing, but, or talking, talking, having the same conversation, but about two different things. That was perfect and played to perfection by both of them.
0: Also, it's really weird to hear Benton trashing someone behind their back.
2: Yeah, I guess we haven't heard that before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Feels very unlike him.
1: But I also think, you know, she's given him several talking downs. So at this point, he's not going to say it to her face. And then we have Jeannie is calling Mark out because he wasn't listening to her earlier when she asked about sending someone up for a CT. Like earlier in the episode, we see her go, hey, you know, so and so is blah, blah, blah. Should I send him up for a CT now? He just goes, oh, yeah, uh-huh, that's fine. And the guy, like, crashed on the way up or something, and Mark's like, you shouldn't have set him up if he wasn't stable. And Jeannie's like, hey, don't yell at me because I followed your instructions and you weren't paying attention because you were in your own little world. Not my fault. I love how she calls him out. totally. Yeah, like, I love that. Because it also, it puts kind of a more realistic twist on the episode that the romance stuff is all in Mark's head and everybody else is just like, dude, get your shit together like the world is still going on around him and i really like that yeah
0: so mark is obviously a little flustered after being called out like that so him and doug go take go take a little walk and have a conversation
3: i didn't even say goodbye now, goodbye is not what you need to tell her well it's too late now what time's your train leave Four twenty. all right it's less than an hour they're usually running a little bit late and she probably had to go home to get her luggage yeah well i'm on till 11 but i should just go you could No, 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 it's impossible. She's getting on a train, she's made up her mind.
1: It may be, but that's not the point. So what would I say now? You would say to her what you've been wanting to say for years, you'd tell her how you feel. Or you can let her go without saying a word and you regret it for the rest of your life and make yourself and everybody else around you miserable, like you have today. You're right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you tell Carrie? Yeah, go, 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 go.
0: Mark's going on an
2: adventure.
1: <laughs> Doug
2: hands him his boombox, and off he goes.
1: I don't agree with Doug on this one.
0: Yeah, yeah but it sets up. For, I'll say, but it sets up for a nice little, nice little scene at the end of the episode.
1: Yep. <laughs> well, mm, sure.
0: One of the mo- it's, one it's, of honestly to me, one of the most
2: memorable scenes in the entire about, show. How
1: about an iconic scene? Yeah, it okay. is,
2: it's very iconic, very memorable, and and I I can't wait to talk about it more in depth, but.
1: Daniel and I are sitting here rubbing our hands together (laughs) but for now but
2: for now we got to get a little horniness out of the way because Benton and Carla (laughs) uh just decide to have a little makeout session in the suture room uh which and he comes off very awkward in this scene here he's trying to play like cool Mr. Smooth guy but it it doesn't really like doesn't fully translate so more developments to come with Benton and Carla uh, uh as we all know But yeah, this now we kind of we're we're coming down the other side of the mountain here. We're starting our uh, Mark's big adventure, and I want to say it's about from this point the Doug scene coming up, notwithstanding. So spoilers for an interview that you all will hear a few months from now at this point. Um, We talked recently to uh, Martin Davich, who did all of the music for the show, minus the theme song and the pilot. He didn't do the pilot, but he did all 330 other episodes after the pilot. And he uh, was kind enough to sit down and talk with us. And one of the things that he clued us in on was the fact that This whole ending sequence here was a big old secret to everybody, which, you know, we we sort of knew some of that. um, And I'll get into that a little bit more when we get to the last scene. Um, But to to include him, like he was not allowed to know any of the details of what was going to be happening here until the night before. And when I say the night before, I don't mean the night before the show was finished being shot or the night. I mean, the show aired on Thursday night and he was scoring it on Wednesday night so like dude's a pro Jeez. he was given no lead time on this whatsoever so he basically was going through this whole process with us that it was like this long scene like three plus minutes uh of mark running uh, after susan and he's having to score all this in real time and under the gun to get this t- back to them so they can get it to, uh to air the next night So, I mean, just trying to imagine, and you're talking about 1996 technology with that too. It's not like he was just uploading something from his Mac, you know, like he had to like make physical cuts to things and like was working off of a VHS tape and a cassette player. It's, it's incredible how well this comes out with how little time he had to work on. So kudos to that guy. Yeah. Needs to be said off the top. But so we start his his magical Chicago adventure here. Is he's waiting waiting for the train to get to Union Station, and he is at the Quincy CTA stop. Lizzie, do you want to uh, enlighten us on where that is? Yeah,
0: it's actually just right down the street from Union. It's and like it's, three blocks, right? And it's, it, yeah, if that. And yeah. it's not even. It's I think it's meant to be the station that they normally go to, but that's a But this one is completely different look-wise. This is a very classic, old-school... It's one
1: of the original stations. Yeah,
0: it's a beautiful station, but it's literally three blocks away from Union. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Whereas the normal one they use, the Chicago station, may have made more sense for, oh, God, I got to get there. Yeah, which
0: is about a
2: mile. Yeah. yeah
1: But it's not three blocks away. So there's the first thing. And
2: all of this stuff, too, I should say off the top, too, all of this stuff is shot on location. Like, they're shooting all of this in Chicago. None of this is in L.A. It seems like this is all uh, location shots in Chicago. So I wonder, too, how much of this uh, was... You know, like with, much like with Love's Labor Lost in season one, like I wonder how much of the final plot and final uh, stuff that they had uh, when they started shooting it. I wonder if it was still being written. Uh, and
1: I'm also wondering if maybe they went with the Quincy station for this one because since they were already shooting at Union, it was so much closer. That might be what it maybe. is.
2: Yeah. But so anyway, in any event, he gives up on waiting for the train there and decides he's going to get a cab. Uh, and so he takes the cab to her to susan's apartment building uh which is as we mentioned earlier in the episode it's a real building um it's at 14 north peoria in the west loop where is that in relation to the the station he just left
0: uh it's about a half mile three quarters of a mile (laughs) or so yeah
2: the geography is all over the place
1: yeah, so yeah. it's about it's about a half mile, three quarters of a mile, but the green line doesn't run on Quincy stop, does it?
2: Yeah, and, so he would have uh, had yeah, to. And actually, uh, no, it does not. And actually, I I remember reading too um, when I was doing my notes on my end, I was reading how the station that he starts at and then where he gets the cab are mm. about a mile apart.
1: Yeah, that's at State Street. He gets yeah. the cab at the State oh, Street. Oh yeah, station. isn't that
0: isn't that at uh, yeah, Whacker and State or yeah.
2: something. Yeah. Like so he yeah, ran he Wacker. ran a mile from the station that was already 3 blocks away from yeah. his destination to begin with.
1: <laughs> Cuz when he got downstairs for the cab, I was like I have come out of that intersection so many times for my old job. Yeah. Like I was I lived at that station essentially and then 14 North Peoria in the West Loop is right by where I worked for three years. So when I actually put that together and realized it's right by Parlor Pizza Place. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's why where my old eye doctor was. Like, it just...
2: So, yeah. So, it, it, like I said, the geography's all over the place. He leaves a, a station that's already three blocks away from where he eventually wants to end up to then run a mile to get a cab to go half a mile from where he started.
1: I think for this episode it might worth it might be worth doing, taking a screenshot of Google Maps <laughs> and just, like, Microsoft Paint. Re- the, marks the stops steps.
2: yeah so that would be really fun he gets to he gets to susan's apartment she is he has missed her uh her lamb land, his landlady now i guess is, yeah. is still there and she says oh you just missed her but she left a note for you on the mantle so he and i can't remember does he we don't hear what or we don't get to no. clued in on what the note says no
1: he just looks at it and is like it's not susan i gotta go get her
2: yeah so he leaves uh leaves from there and he's going to try Union Station next. So he's so darting in and out of traffic.
1: Pretty much a mile back to where he started. Pretty
2: much, yeah. yeah. He's One big circle. Uh,
1: yep. So then we switch over. Doug is still trying to find Ahmed Lopez, the little boy that he had vaccinated for Kirsten Dunst earlier in the episode. And they the shelter that she had told him they would be at, the shelter has not seen him or his mother at the shelter all month. So it's a dead end. He does not know where to find this baby who is potentially anemic. That's all there is to that.
0: Yeah, we close up the episode with uh, Mark's magical journey towards Union. Uh, he's running down Wacker to try to get there. And yeah, he's still got a... <laughs> he's... He Sorry. runs so... So if you're keeping track at home, he runs from the West Loop up to back to where he was around where he got that cab At Staten Lake. <laughs> yeah. And near there. And then he is gonna run all the way back to where he it's where he started. Like they're bad about Chicago geography, but this is one of the most egregious <laughs> like, things. Like when they
1: the one episode later on where they have uh, Pratt and I think it's um, Gant, not
0: Gant. No, Pan, uh, Pratt, Pratt and, and oh Michael.
1: Yeah, I can't Gallant. think. Of his, yes, Gallant, Sorry, yeah. where they have the two of them talking about being in the South Side, and they're actually up at Berwyn.
0: Uh, yeah, at the yeah Bur- <laughs> the at the Bryn Mawr Red Line stop, fifty six hundred North. <laughs>
1: yeah we we have some we have some fun yeah getting. we'll have
0: some feelings later and later on <gasps> in this series for you but some
1: hometown views yeah
0: but uh getting back to mark's magical adventure um he look they actually did shoot at union for this mm. this is union station and it is one of the most beautiful train stations i've ever been in
1: if you're ever in chicago and you have a chance like it's not gated or anything you can walk around the main hall Totally fine. Yeah. Go check it out. They're doing a bunch of really cool renovations right now.
0: Yeah, but if you're a sucker for old school architecture, definitely check out the Great Hall.
1: It's so at nice. Union
0: Station. It is gorgeous. Yeah,
1: and a part of it that's been closed off for like 20 years is getting redone to reopen the cafeteria and a lot of the large windows that there was a fire and they had to close that part of the building for a long time so this has been architecture with Lauren please go check out Union Station if you're ever in the city yeah. it's one of my favorite places but
0: it looks like he's reading the board trying to find her trying to find her train and looks like he looks like he missed it but the train is on another track at the last minute so let's listen to their final encounter
1: Susan!
3: goodbye? No, stay. I want you to stay. But, Mark. I love you, and I'm stupid for not saying it before. No, it, it, it's okay. I, I knew. In, in, a, in a way, I, I knew. Stay. We, we belong together. Tell me you don't feel the same. Sorry. Tray's leaving, man. We're right together. Mark, you are my best friend. I don't know how I'm going to make it without you. Don't go. I have to. I don't belong here anymore. I have a new life. It's going in a different direction. Susan, I don't want to lose you. I do love you.
1: What? I love
2: you. Bye. All right, strap in because there is a <gasps> lot to unpack with that uh, minute and 42 seconds there. First of all, let's start with the technical bits because like we mentioned earlier, like Listen to the the music tones you hear at the very beginning of that, and just try to picture in your head a guy hunched over a tape recorder the night before, and he's seeing this all for the first time, trying to put that together, and just appreciating how well that s- scores this very dramatic moment. Like you said, like it or love it, it like uh, love it or hate it, it this is a uh, very iconic moment, and it's one of the kind of the the hallmark moments of the series. So I, I will give full credit where it's due there. The other thing. Is that so, and this is some another thing that would kind of come up time and time again throughout the, the course of the series, particularly when people were leaving or returning, is that ER liked to keep people in the dark about things. And so this whole ending sequence here, for everyone with the exceptions of Carol Flint, who wrote the episode, Tom Moore, who directed it, the shooting crew, like the physical people holding the cameras and doing the sound, uh, Anthony Edwards and Sherry Stringfield, outside of that group... Up to and including NBC themselves, no one knew what the ending of this episode was going to be. So that's pretty impressive in and of itself, uh, that they were able to keep that under wraps. But, yeah, this is certainly a scene. (laughs) This is certainly a thing that happens. Um I don't know who wants to who wants to dig their teeth into this because I know we're going to have some dissenting opinions about it. So
1: I want Lizzie to go first before I shit all over one of her most iconic and remembered (laughs) scenes of ER.
2: I will say for a moment, it's fantastic. Yes. So I want to say that at the top for for a moment. It is fantastic. So with that said, Lizzie, go ahead.
0: I love it. (laughs) And I'm almost afraid to say that no. between because I feel like you two are going to shit
2: all over. No, my no, 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 <laughs> no. No, it's because you're like I said, romantic. As a yeah. moment, it's great.
0: I'm a hopeless romantic, and I think this is beautiful and sweet. But I could see where I—I I don't know. I—I I love it, and I'm sticking to that. No, you there can, you
2: and you can absolutely enjoy it in a vacuum because in a vacuum, it is great. It is. <laughs> it is a very no. It is. It is a good moment. It's yeah. a great moment.
0: It's incredibly well acted. It's incredibly well yes. scored. It's incredibly well. Shot. They both
1: bring it home for sure. Yeah, it's there's
0: a reason why this is one of the most memorable moments for me in the entire for me and a lot of people in the entire series is because it all just comes together in one one beautiful heartbreaking moment. One crescendo. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Getting very technical with the terms (laughs) here.
1: I have quite a large vernacular. Daniel, shit all
0: over my dreams.
2: No, no, no. I'm not going to shit all over your dreams. Like I said, as a moment, it is great. It is just, it's all the things that we've talked about over the course of the episode up until now like I just feel like I feel like if this was the season finale and they had had a season worth of where okay we're real we know she's leaving but we're really going to like actually give this a shot and really see if we can turn this into something that we ultimately know we're not going to go with because she's leaving I think you could have made this work on a character level where it would feel it wouldn't feel so like like just so like you know because it just the the dial gets turned up too high too fast for me and and you burn the dish is where i'm at like it's like (laughs) if you'd have let it you know if you cooked it over a low heat for four to six hours you know you'd have had something really good here but the fact the pot roast treatment exactly but the fact is is that they like turned it up so fast that it's like like i said let them go to dinner first they don't have to get married they don't have to make babies like just let them go to dinner first we don't have to like We don't have to do this. But again, it's all circumstantial. Like, you know, and we can talk about that once we get our feelings out of the way as far as the whole fallout of Sherry Stringfield leaving and everything. But like, I don't know. Lauren, what do you think about
1: it? I think my hesitancy with it is part of what I've talked about earlier in the episode. Part of it is this was not one of those episodes that I caught as a child. So it does not have that big emotional upswell to me of... This happened and I I knew it happened, but it didn't have that same impact as it would have at the time. And then on top of that, looking at it with a bitter 2020 female <laughs> lens, it's just like my dude, she's already leaving. She is on a, she's literally one foot on a train, gotten rid of her apartment. And you're just like, no, drop everything and stay with me because I didn't know how to communicate until this moment. Right. That's 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 not on her. You
2: gonna pay for this I train think, ticket, my dude?
1: Yeah, I do think it's very sweet though, and it also confirms my earlier suspicions where she's like, "No, I kind of knew." Like, yeah, but um, yeah, but yeah, just I think it's very sweet. They get their kiss. Mark That'll... knows she feels the same, and then mm, see, his doesn't... dream woman goes off into Phoenix. That
2: is where I. That's where I disagree. Like, you
1: don't like the kiss?
2: Well, I, number one, I forgot about the kiss. Like, I forgot that that even happened. So when it happened, when I was watching it, I was like, really? Like, they did that, huh? Like, I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, it, it's it's a network drama. Like, of course they're going to kiss. Like, it, it, that should not have come as a surprise to me. But it was just that I just didn't remember. But I don't necessarily, in my mind, this is just how I read it. I don't necessarily think that the kiss and the, the I love you means what you know, logic would tell you it me. Mean, like to me, I think it was, that was her like meeting him where he was and right. just saying like, okay, like you, you are clearly important to me as a person and, and right. I value our friendship and everything. And the, I love you. I mean, I, I believe she does really love him as a as friend. A friend. Yeah. yeah. I don't. And, and so like, I don't think that her kissing him and then saying that as the train's pulling away, I don't think that's any indication that she's reciprocating his feelings in any way. I think it's more that she is validating their, friendship and just saying like you know what you are still important to me even though you just made an ass out of yourself on a train platform
1: right i think they almost could have left it at the kiss and then her going i don't think they needed the i love you bye like
2: she certainly didn't need to repeat it right i don't think she needed to say it over and over again as the train was pulling away i thought that was a little bit much but I don't know, like, again, as a moment in a vacuum, it's fan- it's great, it is one of, it's the first time they get to do this, like, it is it is the, f- whether they, you know, got the rug pulled out from under them or not, like, this is the first time that... A
1: major cast member. Yeah,
2: this is the first time that a major cast member is leaving, and you'll see throughout the course of the series that this, I mean, <laughs> hell, to Susan herself, later when she comes back, spoilers for, like, season 11 or whatever the fuck it is, like, she... Yeah, so she doesn't, this is, this is her goodbye, because the second time around, she doesn't get one. So, mm. like, you see that they, they do different types of goodbyes, and they do them to varying degrees of effectiveness. And I would say, if you're going through and ranking all of the um, character goodbyes over the course of the series, this probably ranks pretty high up there. Like, it's one of the better ones, because it's given the kind of significance you would expect, and it's it's, there's a whole episode built around it. And, you know, so all that stuff is, is great. I just think that it wasn't given the ch- – it never was given a chance to work outside of the vacuum.
1: I have a question, and this isn't going to come into play into, like, many, many, many seasons later, but mm-hmm. is her magnet one of the ones we see of, in that shot of, like
2: – I whole- want to say it is, I, but I don't know. And that was something I was going to bring up earlier when she leaves and how we were saying, like, that they don't make right. a big deal out of it. That's something that they do sort of lose as the se- as the series goes on because the show is more and more popular and has right. more and more of a history. They do sort of get a little far up their own ass about that kind of stuff. And I love Abby's at goodbye at the end of the show with the, all the name tags and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you take start from here and go to that – That is the most up your ass shit of like, it's her last day of work. You don't need to go in and look at the whole fucking wall of names of everyone who's ever worked here. Okay. Like, it's not like, it's a little silly, but it's a great moment. So, you know, it is a great moment, but I'm just saying that's, uh,
1: do you still want to do six more years of this podcast? I'm just saying,
0: I'm just saying that
1: shot is not
0: for Abby. That, that ending no. that shot is not for you're, you're right is absolutely for us the audience you are absolutely and right it's a beautiful you lovely shot and I would not change a single what thing I, about and it and
2: why I bring departure. but I'm saying why I bring that up is to illustrate just the difference in not only where we are in the timeline but just where we are in the growth arc of the show itself mm-hmm. the show as as it is right now is just a show about people who work in a hospital you know what I mean like in, in an ER like it is it is it's not bigger than the sum of its parts yet. It will become that later on. Like, it will become something that is much bigger than the sum of its parts. But it's not there yet. And so, it's interesting to see how they approach something like this at such a, an early stage of the show's development. And, you know, again, so much of the... There, there's a lot to like here. It's not a bad moment at all. And it's not a bad episode at all, either. There's just little elements about it that I would have... Looking back at it at hindsight, I would have liked to have seen handled differently. But... Again, a lot of that, I think, is circumstantial having to do with the fact that she left so suddenly. You know, I think if she'd have told them that she was leaving, like, okay, I want to leave at the end of the season, I think they would have had time to build this out and not make it feel so cranked up to 11 for no reason.
1: That's all I got.
2: So, to recap,
0: I love it. Daniel.
2: Good in a vacuum, it falls apart for me in the context of the... Falls apart is the wrong way to, to phrase that. Good in a vacuum, not quite as good when given the full context of everything surrounding it.
1: Lose, loses its sparkle.
2: A little bit of the sparkle comes off, yeah. But, but still Lauren. a great moment.
1: Middling. I <laughs> As usual. I,
2: middle of the road. Yes,
1: <laughs> middle of the road. Because I, I can't say this because I'm somebody who fucking loves uh, my best friend's wedding and when Harry met Sally, so I can't sit here and say I'm not a slop for this kind of thing. But just For some reason, this one just doesn't land with me. I think they act their asses off and it's beautifully produced, but... It just it doesn't quite do it for me. It doesn't hit my my rom com feels.
2: Yeah, and uh, again, a lot of that I think has to do with our feelings on that pairing as a whole. We don't feel like that pairing should have ever happened, so of course we're gonna look back on it in in that way. But it is what Unless it is. Unless you're Lizzie. And then just so so just quickly on Sherry Stringfield, just the actress versus Susan Lewis, the character. This is this is goodbye for her for six years. Mm -hmm. so you know any final I mean I I think we've talked about off mic that we want to do for uh, main cast characters who leave we want to do like kind of post wrap-up things for them kind of their own bonus episode on the Patreon side of things Susan's kind of a weird in-between character with that in that she comes back later on so I think she will get her own kind of larger thing way down the line So, I mean, what is your your kind of summing up feelings on Susan as a character and and Sherry Stringfield as we say goodbye to her for a long stretch of time?
0: I love her. She's one of my favorites in the entire series. She's probably top five characters overall for me in the series, and a lot of it is based on these first three or two two and a third seasons Mm -hmm. with her. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of her later work as well, which that sounds like not
2: a lot of people are, but... (laughs) I'm frustrated by it. I don't. It's not. It's not her fault.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like I was, I get kind of frustrated with some of her over with some of her storylines. But I love Susan as a character, Mm -hmm. and I love Sherry Stringfield as an actress in this show. Mm -hmm. So I will miss her, and we will talk about her again in a couple of years in real time, and. Yeah, I'm just sad she had to leave under, it seems, so, sort of suddenly. Do we have, I for, I completely forgot to look this up, and I feel so bad for not doing this, but why did she leave in the first place?
2: So she, this is, and this is all sort of just summary basis. I didn't do any, like, in-depth analysis. I've read a few interviews over the years, and, like, this is just kind of the best thing that's been called together, because she's, Sherry Stringfield is notoriously low profile, like. Doesn't give yeah. a lot of interviews, doesn't have any social that. media presence to speak of, hasn't, you know, she's she's acted uh, some in the years since, but she's not a, a particularly prolific actor. She kind of got in, made her money, did her thing, and, and got out. Doesn't really do a ton of stuff. So best I was able to pull together is that she kind of just didn't really like being famous that much. Like, was just sort of, you know, over the idea of having her life under a microscope, and I mean she was on the number one one of the leading actors on a number one show on the number one network in prime time. Like I'm sure that was a a big, and she's, I think in her mid twenties at that point. So, I mean, that's, that's a a tough thing to, to handle at that age. And, um, the other thing I believe I read was that she had a relationship, uh, with a guy who uh, lived in New York So, Mm -hmm. and of course, with ER being based in LA and part-time in Chicago, that really wasn't conducive to working out. And, you know, I mean, kudos to her for having the balls to walk away from a, you know, number one, highly rated, you know, critically acclaimed network drama that's probably making her a shit ton of money. But before the big money started rolling in, I would assume, like, they're probably all still working on their initial contracts at this point. So I'm sure she's making good money, but not like super-duper money. So, I mean, kudos to her for having the balls to, to walk away like that. And then I think um, having a few years of separation from the whole thing, and then I think uh, I remember reading her saying that that relationship had since ended, and that was kind of part of what led to her returning down the, the line. I think it was like they called her with the idea, and things had changed in her personal life, and she was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it another shot. So it was it was 100% her decision. The, the uh, ER side of the equation they wanted to keep her they were actually i think a little bit upset at the fact that she was leaving because they had big plans for her character but if you want to go you want to go you know they don't they didn't want to keep somebody around who didn't want to be there so right yeah you know we'll see her again down the down the road like i echo everything lizzie said she is one of the probably top five characters in the whole show uh absolutely love every bit of her in this early run the second run is what it is there's some good things in there there's no there, there is some good stuff in there but it's just frustrating that to me that they never seem to figure out how to use her in the second run and we'll talk about that when we get there but Quite
1: where she fits
2: yeah but it's goodbye for now for Susan and we will see her down the road
1: Lauren how do you feel I, I, I adore her this run and next run I adore her I adore her later storylines and some of the weird stuff that happens to her and I just I just I think she's she's a great surrogate for kind of this is going to sound really weird but for like a real person. She feels like one of the most authentic well-rounded characters that they've done. Like she she can kind of be a good everyman for lack of a better term. Yeah. Compared to how some of the other personalities they write later in the show are a bit more extreme.
0: Yeah, I, t- I definitely see that. And plus, who among us doesn't want to have a baby with Donald Logue?
1: <laughs> All right, fair. But yeah, um. so I, I'm i going to miss her. I'm going to be excited when she comes back. And I, I think she's a great role model for young professionals and how she navigates to having to build more confidence and advocate for herself.
0: All right. Well, folks, we would love to hear what you have to say, saying goodbye to our first of the original. Do we want to call them the, the original six? <laughs> the
2: original Avengers. <laughs> yeah. The, the original <laughs>
0: Avengers team.
1: I would say the, the first of the main cast. Yeah.
0: I was going to the say, the, these
2: are, the, I think what we've got now is like the original uh, like Power Rangers lineup because you got the five yeah. originals and you got Carrie tacked on there. Yeah. Well, Gloria too, though. Like she. Yeah.
1: Carrie and Jeannie.
2: Yeah. There's this this is definitely like the OG group, though. This, you know. Yeah. But seriously, folks,
0: reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, But that's about going to wrap up our episode for today, though. Uh, The show is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you can get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment. As well as multi movie commentaries, where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music today is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me in our brand new shiny Facebook group, uh, the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. If I haven't already invited you and you like our page, go find us there, uh, where you can talk about all things, not only ER, but the show as well, uh, STT. Tell us if we screwed something up. Tell us if nicely if we screwed something up Uh, tell us if there's something you want us to dig deeper on or if there's an article relating to something uh, in one of the episodes that you want us to uh, read or explore uh, that's the place to do it so that's the official setting the tone community on facebook
0: yeah i am less active on facebook but daniel and lauren are on facebook pretty regularly
1: yep one of us will definitely get back to you if it's me i usually let you know it's me Daniel, sneaky but
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm laura where can folks find you at
1: I'm actually taking kind of a social media break right now, aside from checking on our Facebook group and stuff. And I'm also going to be lost into the World of Azeroth once the new World of Warcraft expansion drops. So this is really going to be the only social interaction I have for a few months coming up.
0: And remind me, Horde or... uh, What's the other one? Alliance. Alliance, thank you. So...
1: It's a tricky answer, and I hate that it's a tricky answer because none of our audience cares that it's a tricky answer. I play a human on the Alliance because that's what I started 10 years ago with my high school friends. I have played the same character for 10 years, but I really enjoy the storylines of the Horde and the Undead are such a cool race that I'm, I'm an Undead at heart. But Alliance...
0: So hit us up on face, hit us up on our Facebook group. You can nerd out with uh, yeah. Lauren. If anybody, WoW.
1: if anybody wants to play Wow or talk Wow, I am here for you, gang. All right.
0: Well, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> I am at Random Gamer. That's JAM3R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Titanfall Two, with uh, new episodes of that coming out every Friday. Uh, and you can also you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash the Popular Court. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week.